unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my Two, three. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd, 1st, 2nd, 1st, 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 2nd, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Job, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, First Thessalonians, First Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, First Peter, 
First John. Third John. Good. Climb up the mountain, point to the sun. Notice the grass is cut, everyone. Measure the rainbow set on the sea. God made this whole world beautiful for me. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Alright, we're going to do the plan of salvation. Where it's found. And we're going to sing the verse tonight. We don't want to lose that, alright? I say here, you say? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Believe. Romans 10, 13. John. Let's practice that. Believe. Here. I believe. Sorry. John 8, 24. If you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Repent. Luke 13, 3. I tell you no, unless you repent, you will perish. Confess. Acts 8, 37. And Philip said, if you believe, Philip said, if you believe, Philip said, if you believe, with all your heart you may. The eunuch answered, yes, I believe. The eunuch answered, yes, I believe. The eunuch answered, yes, I believe. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. All right, be baptized. Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38. And Peter said to them, to them, to them, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized. Be baptized in the name of the name of the name of Be baptized in the name of the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission, remission, remission. For the remission, remission of sins. And you'll receive, receive, receive. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then the last one, be faithful. Revelation 2, 10. Revelation 2, verse 10. Be faithful, be faithful, be faithful unto death, and I, and I will give you a crown of life. All right, let's do the shorter version. Ready? Here, believe, repent, confess, be baptized in the water, rise up again to walk with Christ and live like you are. Excellent. What is the key verse of authority in all the Bible? Colossians 317. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord. And what is our theme verse at Boonville for this year? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 You better get that right every time. Alright, now what is the verse you can sing if somebody asks you why you believe in God? All you have to do is sing this verse. What is it? Hebrews what? Say it. Hebrews what? 3 4 Every house is there by someone 
every house is built by someone, and he who builds all things is God. Wow, that is amazing. That's great. All right, this is how we worship God, worship God, worship God. This is how we worship God according to His Word. Great. We got to put your hand down while we sing. You can't pray and hold your hand up at the same time, can you? Right? We pray to the Lord our God, Lord our God, Lord our God. We pray to the Lord our God in Jesus' name. We give money to who? No, who do we give money to? The Lord, the God, all right? We give our money to the Lord, to the Lord, to the Lord. We give our money to the Lord, showing Him our love. We preach. We preach. We listen to the Word of God, Word of God, Word of God. We listen to the Word of God and increase in faith. Sing, good. We sing praises to our God, to our God, to our God. We sing praises to our God, singing in our hearts. One more. Back there on the back, right there. Caleb. You. Yes, Lord's Supper. No help either. How about that? Good job. We partake of the Lord's Supper, Lord's Supper, Lord's Supper. We partake of the Lord's Supper, remembering His death. Now, last week we taught, learned a new song about the golden rule. You want, want to try to sing that again, all right? I know what the golden rule is. I know you can say it, but we're going to sing about it, okay? Ah, good. You need it. Everybody needs to know what it means and do it. Do you unto others as if they were you, and you were receivers of that which they do. Be free with your service, for life is a school. For this is the goal of the golden rule. All right. How many plagues are there? Ten. What are they? He turned water to blood, frogs and lice. Don't forget those dirty old flies. Near and kill the cow, boils and hell. Locusts covered the ground till the darkness fell. Pharaoh pronounced the death of the firstborn. How many elders do we have here? Four. Y'all know who they are? Yes. Boonville has. They're good men, as you'll see. There's Jim Nestas, Larry Morgan, and Buster Green. Don't forget Tommy. They're going to two. Those are our four elders and the shepherds, too. Excellent. God set judges over Israel, one great woman, 14 men. They helped Israel fight their battles, led them back to God from sin. Othniel, Ehud, Shemgar, Deborah, Gideon, Abimelech, Tola, Jeb, Jephthah, Isman, Elon, Abdon, Samson, Eli, Samuel. That is outstanding. And before we uh, do our questions, I want to remind all the parents, if you need any of the sheets that we've handed out so far, there's a pile of them up here on the front row. You're welcome to any of them that you want and as much as you want. All right, what is true success in life? Living your life and going to heaven this life is over. Okay. Is true failure making an F at school? Yes. No. No, that's not true failure. That may be a failure, but it's not true failure, right? Is true is true failure losing your best friend? No. Well, that might not be good, but it's not. What is true failure? Living your life and going to hell. Excellent. 
And what's God's ideal for marriage? One woman and one man for life. I can't hear you. One? One man, one, one woman, woman for life. Good. And uh, why were you made? By God. Don't ever forget that. And because God made you, what does that mean? I am special. I am special. And tomorrow, aren't y'all happy you get to go back to school? No! Even though you may not want to go to school, what are you going to do all day tomorrow? I will do my best. I will never give up and let God take care of the rest. And I'll always remember that right is always right. Wrong is always wrong. It's never right to do wrong. And it's never wrong to do right. And that's right because the Bible is right. All right. It's almost time to go to class, but before we do, we've got just a couple of reminders. Uh, we're going to start uh, having the Lord's Supper on Sunday night for those that need to partake right now before we go to class. So uh, those of you that may need to partake tonight, if you'll make your way into the other four-year auditorium, I guess, what, what do y'all call that? Yeah. Little Chapel. Make your way to the Little Chapel. Uh, you can, you'll be served the Lord's Supper at this time. Uh, Brother Jim Estes has an announcement that he would like to make, and I'm going to ask him to lead our prayer as well. This afternoon, I was given a, a statement to read by Brother Trent Allen. Trent says, I'm having great health difficulties now, and I don't know if the Lord is going to allow me to pull through. I want to make sure I'm right with the Lord and with all of you. I've been one of the world's greatest procrastinators, and because of that, I've missed so many opportunities to do good. There are many important things that I have put off that I should have done. I've asked for God's forgiveness, and I ask for yours. Please pray for me. May the Lord continue to bless the Boonville Church, Trent Allen. I know we're thankful that Trent is thinking about spiritual things. You know, sometimes when your health starts to fail, you become very serious. And when you become very serious, you think about the long term. And isn't it wonderful that we're told that if we'll, forget, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're going to go to God in prayer on Brother Trent's behalf. Would you bow with me, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we know that you're all-powerful. We know that your goodness is beyond our comprehension. And we're so thankful for your mercy and your willingness to forgive us and your great promise that if we'll confess our sins that 
you'll cleanse us of those sins. And Father, on Brother Trent Allen's behalf, we beseech you that you would forgive him of anything that you hold against him. Uh, Father, we know that he is concerned about his time here on this earth, and our, our prayer is that he would recover. But we know, Father, that this life is only temporary, and we're so thankful that he's thinking about heaven. We pray that the fact that he's thinking about heaven would cause all of us to think about heaven. We pray that you would help us to be supportive of him. We love you, Father. We are so thankful that we can meet tonight to study your word. We're thankful for all of these children who are learning so much about your word. We pray that you would bless them. We pray that you would bless us in our classes. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. to say this church doesn't change because I am really excited that we started doing the Lord's Supper before this class. As Drew and I keep forgetting, not that it's not important and that's what makes me feel bad about it, but I'm glad of that change and I actually think it's a really good change. So I appreciate whoever came up with that or whoever's idea that was. I think as we're all together, it's a good time to, to make that happen. All right, so uh, I kind of reset a little bit uh, this morning. I didn't have a bulletin to go off of, as y'all know. 
Uh, I just kind of reset things from previous weeks just so we could um, make sure we got the appropriate people on our list. So do y'all want me to add anybody tonight? David Yates, okay. Okay. Ricky Ross. Anybody else? Can't forget about this. Anybody else? this. Let's just read, if you don't mind, before we say our prayer, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's read the first four verses together, and then we'll beseech our Heavenly Father in prayer. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as Of first importance, what I I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for so many things because you are so good. And Father, we... Our prayer tonight is that all that we do, we give you the glory and honor of what you deserve. And Father, we just lift you up because of your mercy, because of your grace, because of the gift of your Son, because of the good news that we have through him. Father, we are also thankful that we have this avenue of prayer to lift individuals up that we know and love and families that need you and Father, we want to do that now as a body of believers. We ask you to be with the Perigo family, the Bridges family, Bunch family, the Harden family. We ask you to be with Sandy Bonham, Martha Eaton, Quitman Wigington, Austin Wentz, Trent Allen, David Yates, Ricky Ross, Hannah Peck, Verlin Davis, Brian Rowland, and so many others that I know this group of believers is lifting up to you right now. And Father, we are so thankful that we know that your hand is in all these situations. And Father, our prayer is that we will show your love in our lives and minister to these folks and serve these individuals and support these individuals. Father, knowing you are already doing that. Father, we are also thankful tonight for this chance to study your word. And so we ask your blessings to be upon this class and those that are in attendance. So, Father, help us rightly divide your word, help us understand it, help us learn more about you so we can better serve you. And then we are thankful for Jesus Christ, and that's our subject tonight. And it's in his name we pray. 
Amen. All right, I'm going to tell you all something real quick um, just to get me going more than maybe uh, for the introduction to this class. Uh, the boys and I went and played golf today. I was practicing with them. They're trying to play golf and tennis, and I'm a terrible golfer, but I go out there with them to support. And um, so I get home at about 2, and I start studying from 2 to now. And uh, so about 15 minutes till 5, I'm, I'm rushing to change clothes. I try to put on a nicer shirt, put on some pants. But I noticed something as I got out of my car and was walking in here. I put the same nasty shoes on that I had wore playing golf. And what I thought is I was walking around the front of the building. I thought, I hope my class, I hope I, that does not a sign of how, how I teach this class tonight. So I may need you, okay, because we have a great study and one that I am extremely excited about sharing with you. So let me get this, um, let me see if I can get this presenting because I do want to give you a little bit of context. So you know we've been talking about systematic theology and to date we have covered these subjects and Drew uh, last week introduced the subject and the study of Christ and I'm just going to kind of wrap that up a little bit the best that I can in the way that I, I plan to present that tonight and uh, then we'll move on next week to talking about salvation. Okay, so that's next week's subject. Now, the other thing I want to share with you and I just want to share with this before we get to our text is we're going to use, if you want to go ahead and, and turn to Romans chapter 3, you can. Uh, that's going to be our text tonight, Romans chapter 3. And we're going to spend a, most of our time in Romans chapter 3 tonight as, as a basis of how I want to, you know, study Christ. But in his book, the one that Drew and I have kind of been using as our, you know, as our basis, you might say. He says there's four cardinal doctrines of Christianity. And those are the doctrine of the virgin birth, the doctrine of his vicarious death, the doctrine, the doctrine of atoning blood, and the doctrine of miraculous resurrection. Now, Drew last week touched on his preexistence and the virgin birth. Tonight, I hope to deal with, in a, in a you know, in kind of a roundabout way, two and three. I'll go ahead and apologize in advance. I'm not going to get to four, okay? But all of these are important, as you, as all of you well know, okay? But I hope to touch on a little bit his death and the blood that came from that death. Okay? And we're going to use Romans chapter 3 as our basic text to get us to the points that um, maybe we can make tonight using his word. Okay? Now, to get you caught up though, now I'm not asking you to, to turn to these, these verses, but to get you caught up. Last week we studied from, or two weeks ago, we studied from Romans chapter 5, okay? So we're a little bit out of order. Maybe I should have studied Romans chapter 3 for Romans 5, but that's okay. We studied Romans 5, and remember the subjects were, we were talking about the history of man, we were talking about Adam, we were talking about the fall of man moving into sin, okay? And then we started studying a little bit of sin. And in Romans chapter 5, he, you know, we kind of in a, in a broad text says, you know, you got Adam, the first man who fell... And he says, and there's a like figure of, you know, who, and that provided death. Let me say this correctly. And that provided death to everyone. In a like figure, you have Christ who came and provided life for everyone. Okay, and that's kind of what set us up to start talking about Christ. Now let's get to Romans, all right, 
Secondly, I have two other verses down here that I like to reference in regards to, you know, the subject of Christ, which is, you know, the gospel and the definition of the gospel, which can be found in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, which we read. And then the other verse that Drew read for us last week was Philippians 2, 5 through 11, which is, some people say, the great parabola of Jesus. In other words, he was his preexistence and his glory to be, you know, born as, a, as man and, and, and then dying on the cross, which is the low, only for him to be resurrected, and then, of course, his glory again. So I, I like referencing that verse, but what I want to focus on tonight, and because of time, I want to get to is Romans chapter 3. So let me turn there, and I hope you are already there. You also know that I don't mind being vulnerable with you. And Cassie may get really upset with me after this next couple of sentences. She and I have conversations quite a bit, you know, concerning, especially she likes to tell me how I mess up during class, okay? And she'll, you know, I'm terrible at English. I'm not very good with how I say things. And so she likes to remind me of those things every so often. But we also have some real deep conversations about subjects in class. And I realize that we're about to spend 30 minutes diving into five verses. That may be much for some of you. Cassie says from time to time, she says, Aaron, if I've got to work that hard, I just don't know. And, and Cassie, I'm sorry for saying that, but I, think that's a, I don't think you're different in the way you think from other people. Okay? But I want you to understand that it took me five hours studying Romans chapter 3, these few verses starting in verse 21. So yes, you're going to get a 30-minute sermon off of it for me to try to explain everything that I gathered through here. But I want to end with an aha moment for me that was needed that I hope may, may set well with you and maybe you might need as well. That's my goal, okay? Romans chapter 3. Context, a little bit of context. If you go back, if you read that heading, just like your heading probably has in your Bible, he makes a point. Nobody's righteous. It doesn't matter if you're Jew, doesn't matter if you're Gentile, doesn't matter who you are. There's nobody righteous. Now, we talked about that a few weeks ago. We made that point, right, with Adam and how sin came into the world and those kind of things. Death came through sin. So we've talked about all that. And then we told you we were going to start talking about Christ. And so that's where we are. And so he talks about how, in the, starting in verse 21, and I want to make this clear. He talks about how we can have atonement. Now, he, this is not, Paul is not giving you a complete uh, description of how it works. I want you to know that. But in these verses, he's making it clear you can have it. And he's going to give us a little bit of details regarding that and specifically how we have it through Jesus Christ. So let's start in verse 21. I'll do my best here to not stay on one particular word too long. But it says here, starting in the very beginning, but now. In other words, he's, he's, he's saying, okay, you know, if you go back to the previous verses, he's talking about the law. He says, I get it. I get it that you feel, and, and Jews, you felt that you, you're justified through works of the law. But I want you to know that now, but now, something different. It's different. 
The righteousness of God, he says, and I want to make that clear as well. Some people want to say that righteousness of God is our righteousness. I don't want you to be mistaken here. It's not talking about the righteousness God bestows on us. It's talking about his goodness, his rightness. It says, but now, I'm going to tell you something a little different. God's righteousness has been manifested. In other words, you understand that word, revealed. God's righteousness has been revealed to us apart from the law. Yes, Jews, I get it. I know that you're tied to the law, but you need to understand, he says, that God's righteousness is now been revealed, okay, manifested apart from that law. Now, this is interesting to me. He goes in to say now, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, he says, look, yes, I know this is different for you, but you need to understand this isn't new. Because the, the law and the prophets have been pointing to this this whole time. Now, if you want to know reference, if you're taking notes, I would write down Jeremiah chapter 31. Let me make sure I give you the right verses on this one. Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, specifically 31 through 34. And the reason why those verses are significant is because it is Jeremiah prophesying of what Paul's talking about here. And Paul, uh, not, not Paul, the Hebrew writer quotes from Jeremiah 31 and Hebrews 8, 8 through 12. So if you want to know proof that what Paul's saying here, we had. Okay. He says, yes, you need to understand that the righteousness of God, the goodness of God, has been manifested, revealed, and it's apart from the law, although, he says, the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Now, you get to verse 22 and you got that hyphen. Again, that hyphen threw me off a couple of weeks ago. It kind of threw me off again today. It's not difficult to understand, but I, I do want to make sure you kind of get the context. He's talking about the righteousness of God. And he goes back to that righteousness of God. He says, yes, it's made, a, it's made manifest apart from the law, but let me tell you how it's made manifest. Now he's getting to it in verse 22. It's made manifest apart from the law, but in verse 22, the righteousness of God is made manifest through Faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Okay. This phrase, faith in Jesus Christ, <laughs> has been well debated. Let me explain the reason why. By the way, I like to tell people this. I've probably told you this before. It's old news for most of you because most of you are Bible scholars. I... I read a lot of Guy and Woods, and he, early on in my ministry, I read something to where he said, if you're trying to understand something that the scriptures say, do three things. One, use the context. Two, use the Greek. Three, go find it somewhere else in scriptures. That was his kind of three basic rules. I learned that very early on as I was studying the scriptures, and this is, this is an example of where I've had to use this. Now, I wouldn't have known without other people kind of pointing me in the direction that maybe this phrase through faith in Jesus Christ may not be exactly what Paul's trying to say. Matter of fact, if you turn to a King James version of the scriptures, I'm using ESV. If you turn to the King James version of the scriptures, notice what it says here in verse 22. 
even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. This phrase, or this word that's translated in Jesus Christ in the ESV, or of Jesus Christ in the King James Version, is translated of many other times in the Scriptures. But here, for some reason, and they say it started with Luther, honestly, and I don't want to say that's the exact case, but that's just what I have read. It started with Luther. They, they instead of saying, through the faith of Jesus Christ, they changed it to the faith in Jesus Christ. And then just so you can make sure that you know that I think what I'm saying is, 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 is accurate, the faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, that's the same kind of phrase. So now put this in perspective. What he's really saying in verse 22 is the righteousness of God is now revealed, apart from the law, is now revealed through the faith of Jesus Christ for all who believe. That makes sense, right? And I think we all know that and we understand that. God's righteousness through Jesus' obedience, His coming to this world, His taking on our human form, Him being obedient, His faith is how the righteousness of God was revealed to us. And He says there's no distinction now. This righteousness that was revealed is revealed to everybody. This atonement that we're going to talk about, there's no more distinction. Just the same as there's, you know, everybody's in sin, salvation now can come to everyone. And he goes in verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, he says. Now, we've already talked about this, so I won't want to deal with it much. I just mentioned that the whole verses 10 through 18 of this chapter makes this very point. But I will say I got caught up a little bit today. I get caught up in these things, and it's one of my flaws. You know, I never really stopped. I've quoted Romans 3.23 a ton. But I never really stopped to say, this whole glory of God, what is that? Have you ever thought about it? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Have you ever thought about what, what, what that glory is? Well, I want you to keep thinking about it. We're not going to discuss it in this class. I just wanted to bring that up so you could go in that rabbit hole like I did earlier today and have that on your mind. There are several thoughts of what that is, and I don't know if you can be wrong in any of your thoughts, but I just, it got to me today, and I wanted to bring it up and let you think about it. Because what I really want to get to is verses 24 and 25. Now, when you read this, you know, if you transition from 23 to 24, it's kind of an abrupt change almost. But, but really, I, I don't want to get caught up into that. There's a lot of thoughts about why that is, but I, I'm not trying to dive in that much into this class because I really want to get to the words that are about to be spoken in verse 24. And, all right, let me get in context here again. The righteousness of God is made manifest apart from the law, now, through the faith of Jesus Christ, to, by those who believe, and are justified by His grace as a gift 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, I want to stop here because I want to talk about the few of these words. The first one is justified. His righteousness is shown by the faith of Jesus because now we can be justified. What does it mean to be justified? Somebody help me with that. What does it mean? Made right. What else? Just if, yeah, I will say that that has stuck with me, just so you know. Uh, I was in Lexington when I lived there and worshiping. We were studying Romans, and, and, and I'll never forget the guy. I, it's a book that says, uh, just if I'd, if you want to just, it's just if I'd not sinned, have not sinned. When you're justified, it's kind of a, it's a judicial term where the judge literally uh, just takes away all you know, guilt, all things that you had done wrong away. And so he says here, because of the faith of Jesus, we can be justified, just like we hadn't sinned. But I want to pause a second, because this phrase, by his grace, as a gift, is very significant. And I know this is a little weird, and you're just going to have to deal with it for a minute. I want, you to folk, I want you to talk to your neighbor or think about it if you don't have a neighbor for about one minute. What does this word gift and this word grace in the context of being justified, what does that mean to you? Okay, think about it or talk to your neighbor. I'd like to hear you talk to your neighbor. What is this, this concept of gift and grace with being justified? What does it mean to you? Go ahead and have that conversation real quick. You can speak up. It's okay. I mean, you can talk a little louder. I'm not going to. We are justified by his grace as a gift. Somebody help me out. What'd y'all talk about? What'd y'all talk about? Anything? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Okay, grace is a gift, okay. So she, she may mention, I'm trying to summarize, but you know it's really hard for anybody in this room to summarize anything Miss Marilyn says. Oh, hey, did she just punch me? Did y'all see that? That's why she also loves me, by the way, and that's why she and I are really close. Um, she has basically talked about how grace is a gift. She talked about how, you know, in this context of when we discuss, you know, it's like a judge literally saying, hey, you are free. You are no, you, and I'm probably miss, messing you up, Marilyn, so forgive me. Okay, I was close. What else you talk about? Grace and a gift. What else you talk about? Say it again, Ms. Sue. We don't always deserve it. Okay, very good. We'll touch on that in a second. Somebody over here? There's nothing we can do. That's right, you can't. 
Can't earn it, right? All right, so with those two concepts there and everything that's been said, let me, let me go ahead and put it in way, you know, I kind of looked at it today, which let's just talk about the grace, right? It's called unmerited favor, right? I mean, that's what we all have heard. It's kind of the textbook definition, unmerited favor. In other words, did God have to do this? No. But by His grace, He did it. At, say it again. God's riches at Christ's expense. She said God's riches at Christ's expense is what she said. Thank you, Anita, for speaking up. This concept of a gift. You know what? When you get a gift, is this something that you earn? If you earn it, what's it called? Is it called a gift? What's it called? It's called a payment. That's what Toyota does for me. I work, I earn a paycheck. And because of that, they, they give me a little bit of money. So you've got two concepts here. This grace as a gift. In other words, He didn't have to do it. And number two, there's nothing you can do to earn it. That is the justification. Us being justified through Jesus Christ. Now we get to verse 25. And it says, Whom God put forward as a propitiation. I always struggle saying that. As God put forward as a propitiation, okay? And he's talking about Jesus Christ, okay? And I, I missed that a little bit. I should have made that clear. The redemption that is in, ooh, I missed the whole word there, redemption. I missed that word. How'd y'all let me miss that word? All right, so you got justified, right? You got justified, which is, he says here, which is by his grace is a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I totally about to, I, I'm, I almost skipped over that. This concept of redemption, okay? My understanding from this, is, it's a word that's taken from, you know, kind of the ancient slave markets. It's where a slave could literally buy their freedom. And they were redeemed when that happened. So he says here, he says this justification, which is a, uh, by grace as a gift, comes with the redemption. In other words, you are freed from sin. Comes with the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Y'all, there's so much packed into that phrase. There's so much packed into that verse that I couldn't get off of it today. And the reason why I couldn't get off of it today, the reason why I spent two hours studying it today is because I was loving every minute of understanding what it meant. And I realized that I may not be conveying you know, exactly in a way that it touches you like it touched me. But this is God's word. And I'm hoping it's touching you today. Because this is what Christ has done for us. Whom God put forward, okay? He goes on to say, and in some versions it may say as a public display... In other words, God put Jesus forward. He put him as a public display. He did that on the cross. 
as a propitiation by his blood, he says. Now this word propitiation, my understanding of this word, it's a Greco-Roman term which literally means and when they would use it in their writing back in those days, it would, it would be referring to that which serves as an instrument for regaining the goodwill of deity. In this context, propitiation and what he's saying is that Jesus was offered in your place. And it was the only way to satisfy divine justice. Now, this is, goes to point number two that I brought up earlier of that doctrine, you know, that, you know, Rex A. Turner Sr., he, he kind of brought up in his book, the vicarious death of Jesus. His point is, with that word vicarious, is, you know, he was the substitute. And Jesus was the only, the only substitute that could be. Do you all know why that is? Why could Jesus be the only one that could have provided this atonement? How come Jesus was the one who had to die on the cross? Do y'all know why? Say it out loud. Say it out loud. I'm sorry I can't hear you. All right, Father God, he's deity. And deity, all right, let's say that. Let's, let's get to the, we, we talked about this when it comes to man. When you make finite man, finite man is going to be what? Sinful. The only people who can be sinless is the eternal God. So God had to come. Okay, one. What's another reason why Jesus was the answer? Why was he the one who had to come? Or why was he the propitiation? Anybody have any answer for that? There was a few things that had to happen. Number one. For this to be a sacrifice that could, that could do everything God says. From studying the scriptures, there's a few things. Number one, it had to be sinless. God could do that. Jesus. Number two, had to be willing. Now think about that. If, if, if he was forced to do it, right, then it's not a willing sacrifice. Then is God's righteousness really displayed? And then third, if I can remember my notes in my mind right now. One, he had to be sinless. I'm looking at Jerry like Jerry's going to give me the answer. One, he's got to be sinless. Two, he's got to be willing. And three, oh, he had to be of human form. And that's why Jesus did what he did. That's why he came to this earth. And that's why he was able, he was able to be the propitiation for us. Okay? See if I get this back. But then we get to this concept of his blood. We got 12 minutes and I have just several, several things I want to say here. I think I can get it done in about seven or eight. He says here in, in verse 25, whom he put forward as propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins, okay? Now, I will say, I'm going to get back to his blood. That's why I kind of skipped over it. I'm going to come back to it. I want to stay on it a second and close with it, all right? But he says this righteousness that he shows, 
he, he, he shows it because of his forbearance, because you can see that he passed over all those sins. That's why they had those animal sacrifices, right? The bloods of bulls and goats, right? And, and, and year over year, they would offer those and they would pass over, pass over until here, when his righteousness was able to be displayed through the faith of Jesus Christ. And it says in 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time. I love this part. So that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We understand just and justifier, but in this context, my understanding, he is, he is the one who's upright, and he's the one who can make people upright. And he does all of this through Jesus Christ. Now this blood, his blood. It says that sacrifice, and we're, we're made, and, we're, and, and we can have this justification, where he put forward as appreciation, by his blood. I just want to quickly touch on this, and then I want to get, because I don't want to talk about next week's lesson too much. Drew wouldn't want me to do that, okay, talking about salvation. How do we come in contact with his blood? Well, let me ask another question. When was his blood shed? Let me say it that way. That's an easier question. You should be able to throw that one out real quick. When did he shed his blood? When he died on the cross, okay? Now, I've always wondered this. Please don't judge me too harshly for not knowing the exact answer of this. You know, I, I wonder, is it all of it where they put the thorns on his head and they, they nailed, drive, drove the nails in? Or was it literally when they threw the... Spear in his side. Maybe. If you talk to many though, when they threw the spear in his side, what came out? John chapter 19. Blood and water. No matter. Don't get caught up into that too much. We know his blood was shed. We know we need to come in contact with that blood. How, how do you do that? How do you come in contact with that blood? All right, through obedience and through your baptism. Now, I will say, we're just going to go real quick to Romans chapter 6. That's right. In Romans chapter 6. So, look, when you're in this context and if you're studying with somebody, because I'm going to tell you, a lot of your friends like to stay in the book of Romans. They will tell you, you like to stay in the book of Acts. But if you're studying with somebody, they will tell you, uh, you like to spend too much time in Acts. You need to come to Romans. Okay, go to Romans. Talk about Romans 3, 21 through 20, 26. And then tell them how you get in contact with that blood so you can be justified. You can gain that atonement. Because he says here, and you all know this already. Do you not know in verse 3 that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And here's where the resurrection Kind of comes full circle. Now we understand that we come in contact. All right, I'm down to seven minutes. I'm following, I'm, I'm with you. We understand we come in contact with this blood through our obedience and through baptism. We come in contact with his death, therefore come in contact with his blood. There's a means by which, there's a means by which we stay connected to that blood. What act do we do that helps us stay connected to that blood? We take the Lord's Supper every week. 
as a remembrance. But that's not where I want to pause. I want to close with this kind of thought. There's a way we stay connected to that blood even today. And it's necessary that we do so. This is the aha moment for me today. My favorite verses in the Bible, and we all have them, you have them, I have them, is 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Please turn there. 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. The reason why I want you to turn there, in the book of Romans, and what we've been studying, is he's trying to literally tell the Jews, Jews, I know you think you earned salvation through the works of the law. I know you believe that. You need to understand there's a new way that God's righteousness is revealed. But they had a real struggle getting past this concept that they didn't need to earn their salvation. I'm here to tell you today, the man standing before you who tries really, really hard to do what's right, still struggles with thinking he needs to earn his salvation. And it's a burden. It is a burden that too many of us bear because we don't truly understand Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. Now, that doesn't mean there's not a life we're supposed to live. That doesn't mean there's not obedience that we're supposed to because we love God and we want to. But check out what he says here about how you stay connected to the blood of Christ today. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we, notice he says we, John puts himself in there. No, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar in His word. Is not in us. Y'all, I love and I have to keep verse 7 before me. How do we stay connected to His blood today? By walking where? In the light. And if you will walk in that light, if you will walk in that light, now I'm not going to stand up here and describe what that is. He doesn't necessarily get into that much detail in this context. But if you compare it to the darkness, what he's literally saying is, yes, you know, you you are man, you are mortal, you will sin. But if you will walk in the light, if you will do your best to serve the Lord, if you'll do your best to live for Him, if you'll do your best to show the faithfulness of Christ in your lives, then we have the assurance... You have the assurance. 
I can go to bed at night with the assurance that His blood will continue and continue and continue to work in my life and cleanse me of my sins. And folks, that is the... That's why I have peace. And I wanted... I know I did that in a, the only way I could. But God put that on my heart today because I needed it, not because you did. And I just wanted to share it with you. Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful again for how you take care of us, and we're thankful for the times we get to be together, the fellowship that we have. Father, we're so thankful for your words, your everlasting word that, that gives us and provides hope and understanding and Father, we just thank you so much for Jesus Christ, his sacrifice. We thank you for your righteousness that has been revealed to us through him. And Father, our prayers that we'll live for you each and every day because we love you. Because we want to show you how much we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you all very much.